Hi, Bob. I, I trust you're well, albeit pretty ripped about uh, the, the death of, of Nicky Lauda, a, a true icon of Formula One. And I think I can say that with confidence. Uh, too often you get to terms like icon and legend attached to to drivers uh, that have passed. But I think in Nicky Lauda's case, it's hard to uh, deviate from that route, isn't it? Yeah, hi, Darcy. I, I think you're right. Um, I could add another word, a colossus as well. I mean, he was... He was a very large man in the paddock. I don't mean that physically. Well, perhaps I do. His presence was um, was incredibly large in a paddock. People wanted to speak with him even, you know, during 2018, which is the last time he was really seen in the paddock. Um, they went to him for, for judgment. They went to him uh, to to look at things, to examine things. Mercedes took his his counsel incredibly seriously. He wouldn't have been um, in charge of the Mercedes division of motorsport if they hadn't. So he was, I, I would call him a colossus in uh, in the sport. Um, okay, he, he won, I was going to say, only three drivers' championships, but um, compared to some others, that's not a lot compared to a lot, a lot of others, that's huge. But he, he, was a, he was a very, very large presence and, uh, and generally somebody who brooked no bullshit with anybody. He went back to, or his persona went back to a generation when um, there wasn't a PR person's microphone under the guy's mouth when he was talking to the, to the press. He said what he thought, and he said what he thought right until the very last day. Um, it's just an incredible life he lived. It's, it's probably most well-known outside of motorsport, I suppose, through the Rush film for that uh, horrific accident that he had that left him... Um, scarred right over the face, but it didn't stop him from racing. He was, he was back in the car again in a matter of six weeks. That's extraordinary courage more than anything else from Nicky Lauda, and it didn't take from his skills behind the wheel as well. I think that says untold about the man. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when he came back six weeks after that huge accident where he was given the last rights, and um, for, to all intents and purposes, he was he was dead, and he would have died were it not for the uh, the bravery of some other drivers that stopped and helped him out of the car. Um, but when he did come back, he was he was covered in, uh, if I can use the word, separating sores and bleeding um, ahead, and it was a dreadful look. It really was. But nonetheless, he went through it. He was in agony the first race. He didn't even know if he could get in the car at Monza. Um, that weekend, but he did. He came back. He was leading the championship when he had that accident. As you say, only six weeks later at Monza, he was back in the car, and he only lost that championship by one point to James Hunt in 1976. And that really was because of the wet weather conditions in um, Suzuka, sorry, uh, at the time were such that um, he decided that he didn't want to continue racing. He thought it was too dangerous. Whereas James Hunt plodded around and uh, and co consequently won the championship. If Nicky had plodded around, he probably would have won the championship. But even that didn't overcome his um, his sense of what's right and wrong. And he felt it wrong for the drivers to race in that those conditions. So he wouldn't. So it's yeah, it's a huge mark of the man that he went on not only to do that, and he had two kidney transplants, lung transplant recently, or in 2018. Um, you know, running his own airline, becoming an airline pilot, for goodness sakes, piloting triple sevens. I mean, you don't do all that sort of stuff without having a fairly acute mind and knowing just what you're doing, apart from being able to drive a racing car very fast and in team 
mate with um, one of the best drivers out there, Alan Prost, who he beat for the cham championship in uh, 1984 just by half a point when they were both with McLaren. So, yeah, incredible stuff. No, no, stop. He's on the radio. Leave him alone. That's the genial idea. Go. There you <laughs> go. Uh, you, of course, uh, have a, a personal relationship with as well throughout his uh, time with McLaren when he came back. Was it? Oh, you might have to pull me up on this one. 82, was it? Three years in the seat, picked up the yep. 84 championship? Yeah, when he came back in 82, he, um, he had a test at Donington prior to coming back when um, he had already retired in 1979 uh, when he just had enough of racing and walked out of the Brabham team much to... Bernie Eccleston's chagrin at uh, the Canadian Grand Prix, I think it was, before the end of the season. Ron Dennis convinced him to come back to um, to Formula One. He had a test at Donington in uh, late 81, 80, 81, and um, he didn't know if he could drive again. Ron Dennis didn't know if he could drive again. None of us in the team knew if he could drive again. But all of a sudden, he went out there, and on his about third or fourth or fifth flying lap, there's a story that he um, came back into the pits and said, I've got half a key, uh, half an ounce of wheel weight missing from my left rear wheel. Can you check it out, please? And everybody thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, uh, you know, he's making up stories here. Why he's so slow? Check the wheel out. There was a half ounce weight missing. Now, anybody that can figure that out in the back of a car the first time he gets in it for three years has got to be something pretty good. And then he went on in 1982 to um, to win the third race of the season in that car. But he also managed, and this is the mark of respect that other drivers had for him, he also led the driver's strike in South Africa that year, uh, the beginning of the year, because he disagreed with the super license points. So Nicky said, um, boys, we should go on strike. And all these new drivers that he hadn't raced against, they said, um, OK, mate, you're the leader. And off they went. So he has held remarkable respect ever since uh, he came into Formula One, not least uh, because of his association with James Hunt and the uh, and the aura the, that um, was built around the two of them together. And I can attest to you that when they were partying, it wasn't a sight for young eyes. Uh, so yeah, he he had his fun side as well. And the fact that he, he picked up that, that third and final title with McLaren as well, just what a year before he retired in, in 1984. What a wonderful way to, to cap off what's been a sen sensational career. And I think that um, his last race in '85 was the um, inaugural Aussie Grand Prix. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it was. And um, he, yeah, in '85 he decided that really was enough. Um, and yep, he he gave it away basically. So. Uh, it, it's a shame that he did, but once again, the sensible mind sits on top of all that, and he's a rational person, and he was a rational person. Um, but he also had a bit of a, uh, he's a wicked sense of humour, a very wicked sense of humour, and a very wicked way about him. When he did come back, and he was with McLaren, um, he was with a guy called Willy Dungle. Now, Willy Dungle was an Austrian um guy that uh, ran a clinic, uh, ran a sort of a gym. And Willie Dungle himself came back from kidney transplants and got to be one of the most famous sports rehabilitation centers in the world. He uh, looked after Nicky and came to every race with him, but he would feed him some concoction of dry Austrian bread with some paste on it. I never knew what it was. Um, and water before the race. And as soon as Willie Dungle was out of sight, um, he, Nicky used to whistle up my wife, Sean, and say, okay, now, and she'd give him a very strong, very black double espresso coffee um, plus two cheese and ham sandwiches with pickle all over it. So uh, the healthy diet went straight out of the window. But he was, um, yeah, he was great fun to be around. His, 
he used to be nicknamed the Rat or King Rat. And uh, in fact, I've got stickers in my garage, his helmet stickers with uh, with King Rat in the centre of it. And that's what he was known as because of, well, the scars and the, which he was never ashamed of. He, he was never ashamed of that at all. That's how he is. Um, you know, he came out once with the old saying of Churchill's that uh, uh, somebody said, gosh, you are pretty ugly with that, aren't you? And he said, yes, but um, I was born good looking. You were born ugly. And, um, you know, he was a, yeah, he was a very direct person, shall I say. Started off his Formula 1 career in 1971 at the Australian Grand Prix, completed it in the Australian Grand Prix in 1985, 14 years with a bit of a break, a massive accident, and three world titles. And as Bob attested to there, one of the uh, one of the colossuses of the sport of Formula 1. And Bob, we thank you very much for your time in reflecting on the life and times of Nicky Lauda. Okay, cheers, Darcy.